let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Pinner Gas Club, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri. The J. Rieger Kansas City Distillery. Oh, so good. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. Just not getting in, getting in. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times with Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Please subscribe to the Law Party Podcast on YouTube, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Be sure to tell a friend you've received your invitation, and welcome to the party. I'm your host and panel moderator, Rio, and let me introduce today's panel. We've got our returning champion, Chris O'Connor. Um... He is the co-owner of Liquid Nine Broadcast Media. We've got Elaine Boland. What's he, up? He is a wealth manager. We've got uh, Dave Elliott. We like to call him Big Dave. He's the owner of CNP Construction. And we've got Brian Mass. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> uh, Brian Massey. Uh, he's a market analyst for True Media, and he is our own personal brain mass. And last but not least, we've got the anonymous female, because. She doesn't want you to know her name, but she is the right hand of the podcast, and we appreciate her, don't we, fellas? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, this week, um, I thought, really, what we should do is continue last week's podcast. Uh, and, and then, something kept coming up every other day, uh, said by one of the candidates, that made it almost impossible to not name this episode the system is rigged ladies and gentlemen the yeah. system is rigged that's what happens when you fight the machine <laughs> there you go right. so before we, before we jump into that before we jump into that I do want to say a uh, rest in peace I don't know how many of you watched uh, the uh, TV show Martin mm-hmm. uh, yes. by say Martin uh, Tommy from uh, the Martin show, Tommy Ford was his uh, his uh, real name. Uh, he uh, passed away this week at the uh, early age of 52. Wow! Um, and I don't know if he ever got a job because Tommy on the show never had a job, <laughs> at least not that we knew of. Although he dressed really well and never seemed to ask anybody for any money, but he never seemed to have a job. So it's called Hollywood. <laughs> it is called Hollywood or a drug dealer. I'm not sure which. <laughs> Either way it goes. Politician. <laughs> Very possible. Very much so. Very possible that Tommy was an alderman or something yes. of that nature. <laughs> so, um, so first thing I had on the list hey, is. Hey, I got I, I got an R.I.P. too. Oh yes. Okay, and th- this this is some bad stuff, and this party foul. Tyson Gay is a Olympic runner. Mm. Has done really a pretty good guy. He had a 15-year-old daughter, very very beautiful young woman, and he's very tight with her. Three hooks shot her in Louisville. Wow! And outside of a hamburger joint, wow. she got caught in a crossfire. Took a bullet in the neck. Mm. You know, it's and you saw these three dudes. It was a father and a son, and wow, another really? dude, and another dude having a gunfight out in the parking lot. And took this young lady out. She was also uh, was placing well in state meets. She was a very good runner herself. Mm. So she had was a chip off dad's block. And it's super. This hard this stuff is, is is my wife and I see this anymore, and it's really starting to wear on us. You know, it's funny. Uh, a few weeks ago, 
Um, I think <clears throat> this uh, the election has just been the, the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, I have really been meaning to uh, do an episode talking about just uh, just celebrity relatives in the past few months, like maybe four months, like all these just relatives of celebrities that have been gunned down. Good like time. I just I it, it and uh, and and I may still do that as an episode, but I just noticed that it seemed like every other week. Well, real, was, this was not in bad place. There was somebody's yeah yeah, and it wasn't that they were all in bad places or. But it just seemed like, you know, like it happened with Dwayne, like a Dwayne Wade's cousin and it happened with mm -hmm. like just a bunch of different like kind of prominent people's like cousins. Um, uh, Janelle Monae's a singer, you know, her cousin, she's from from Kansas KCK. and, KCK. and uh, her one of her cousins was killed. And and it was just I was just like, wow, all by just, shootings. Yeah, and they're all by shootings. And I, I just thought it was, you Does know, that not sound like a cousin, though. Honestly, it just dip shit running their mouth way too loud. Like that's what a cousin does. They yeah. Right on your success and go. Oh, I know this person. I know that person. Big talk and yeah, get themselves in a shit ton of trouble. At least it's most cousins. Um, you know the the dynamic the, the, the dynamic of most cousins I know in families. Yeah, I must say I and now I, I, I have, I have to admit I don't know enough details about any of the shootings. Yeah. That which is the reason that I hadn't brought it as a topic, but. It just seemed odd. Like we were listening to this one podcast, and there was this this very very strange coincidence of uh, dismembered feet washing up uh, on the coast of Vancouver. Oh, stuff you should know. Yeah, it was just podcast. yeah, it was just just weird, and it was over a several year period, but just feet right. by themselves in, in shoes. Yeah, feet in shoes. And one or two just feet, but feet and shoes generally washing up on the shore by themselves. So I'm like, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just one of those weird. things that was just weird. It was yeah. like, bizarre that you would have had a baseline established of how many feet normally wash up on the shore. <laughs> there was a rash. Of, yeah, it was a rash of feet washing up on the shore. Yeah, it, 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 but I think the, 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 the interesting thing was it was all in the me? same generalized area. Where the feet were washing up, I think that's what what struck everybody was like, why are all these feet washing up here? <laughs> like, wow. like what is going on? Like, and, and it's up in like off of Vancouver. Like, it's you know, like, like why are all these feet washing up? So, but it's Tricon sending out a message. But it's but it, it <laughs> but the fact that all these celebrity cousins all dying by gunfire, it, it struck me the same way. It's it's that's there's got to be just a coincidence, but it seems weird when you realize that like six or seven like cousins of celebrities in a very short period of time all died in a similar manner. It just mm -hmm. it just like I say it's, it's got to be coincidence, but it just seems weird. You know? Yeah, yeah. you heard about it, or if it happens more frequently in them. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. You know. Yeah, 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 so yeah. news cycles produce different kinds of news. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah, you know, so who knows? But man, cousins don't cousins don't surprise me. Yeah, brothers, sisters, <laughs> that would yeah, surprise yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cousins, I'm like, absolutely. You know, I like my cousins, but yeah. You know, <laughs> don't talk about me. You'll end up dead. But you know, I mean, that's 
just enough removed if as a family dynamic that you're like, mm, you know, I kind of mm. care about my brother. My cousin's like, like, you know, but it's far enough away. Well, when your wife's Sicilian and she has cousins, just say it. Just say it. They're not brothers. And, uh, you know, cousins, man. Don't always run around with the cousins. That could get me in trouble. Yeah. They're a little louder and more boasty than others. For the <laughs> yes. Generally speaking. Now, my, hey, <laughs> hey, cuz, if you listening, cuz, I love you, cuz. I'm not waiting on you to get shot. You my dog. Better watch <laughs> your ass, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so but while we're getting getting back off that tangent, um, last week um, I posed the question um, as to why are the Republicans um, backing away from Donald? Because there was um, a lot in the news about uh, you know some prominent Republican figures kind of backing away from from uh, Donald Trump and. Uh, but this week, the question uh, has been reversed, is why aren't they backing away from Donald? Um, I, I got the research on this. Okay. All right. Big I looked a little work on this today. This will be good. All right. This, 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 we have to step back a little bit of history here. Mr. O'Connor will appreciate this mm-hmm. out of me. When Barack, Barack Obama got elected, and they had a Democratic Senate, Democratic Congress. Right. They pushed through the the Affordable Care Act very quickly without reading it, and now we're having a lot of repercussions from it down the road, including my business. I'm really including my wife and I's insurance, to, and that's another story I won't go into. But we're having trouble getting things approved. I'll just say that much. So, the general public that generally votes for public couldn't said, all right, well, we're going to have to stack the Senate and we got to stack the Congress because we have to have something that will be a counter effect to the Obama presidency and then to Pelosi and Reid and all these people who want this very progressive agenda compared to what we see as what should be our agenda. Whether I believe it or not, right or wrong, I'm kind of a moderate guy, but this is how this is check and balance that I see. Well, the general public expected these people to get in and do something. And like most politicians, they got in and didn't do jack. You know what's interesting, because uh, I do want you to finish. Well, what's interesting is, <laughs> is uh, so you had to wave, you know, that they were kind of calling the, the Tea Party. And, and they really, really hijacked the party. And, um, you know, almost at gunpoint. <laughs> like, I had to hijack the party and... Uh, so you get a wave of Tea Party people uh, going into office, taking over uh, every incumbent seat that uh, they could get their hands on. And, uh, but what happens is, I think you're right. I think the thought, the thought or the thinking was, okay, we've got Republicans and in, 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 in office, there, we're going to get some got, stuff done. Yeah, we, right. We'll get some stuff done the other way. But what they didn't fully grasp about the Tea Party is that they didn't want to get things done. Mm-hmm. They want to, quote unquote, shake up the system. I would disagree with that. I think I don't think that's accurate at all. No. I, and I would say what I, well, two, let, let me answer the first question first and then I'll come back to what you were saying. I think the only reason you're seeing uh, people come back 
And I would say if you listen to what they say, they are not supporting Trump. They're trying to drum up Republican votes. They're afraid that people are so turned off by Trump they won't show up to the polls and they will lose congressional and senatorial seats. That's what I think yeah. people are uh-huh. afraid of. And so now you're seeing people support the Republican Party mm. without necessarily supporting Trump. And that's a huge thing. If they don't get the turnout that they need, they will lose seats. This is true. So, this is very true. That's one. So the second thing is I don't think the Tea Party was never... They absolutely intended to get things done. The problem is there's such... They got there on such ideological terms that they left themselves no room to compromise to get things done, right. and they never had the right numbers. They okay. it, this yeah, is, I, I like agree a, that. I in agree my that. mind, it was a new Gingrich revolution, if you remember, 94, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. during Clinton's second year, and all of a sudden he had all these crazies that he swept into office, and they couldn't get shit done either. Mm-hmm. Because they, they, you know, if you're that crazy and not unwilling to bend, Politics is about compromise. That's the art of compromise. It's the art the of Tip O'Neill and they, Bob Dole is long gone. Yeah. Well, but they, if you were a Tea Party and you did compromise on your ideals, you got voted out elected next time. for your ideals, you were gone. Yeah, this is true. And the Tea Party wanted less government oversight. <laughs> no government. They That's how they got voted into the seats that they had. So strangely, not no bullshit. I grew up across the street from the Coke family. The Coke brothers know them very well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the they, one, they want nothing. They don't want anybody inspecting their business. Yeah, you know so how many right. Indian reservations they fucked over and where they got most of their natural gas from? Mm. I mean, they don't want anybody getting in their way. Yeah. You know? this, there's another way to look at mm. this, too. Is that they thought that they had the strongest Republican field in the primaries that they've ever had. They thought that they had a Scott Walker. They thought they had a Jeb Bush, even a Chris Christie. You know, it was a bit a little bit more. Even though he's a governor, a little bit more of an outsider. And, and they literally, the voting public literally trumped them out because Trump represented something that was non-governmental. And this is the revolt that's happening out there. And, and you're going to start seeing it, not just in the Republican Party, in my opinion, you're going to start seeing the Democratic Party, too. Well, you already are. They're tired of the corruption. They're tired of the stuff. Even if you're going to vote for the Clintons, if you're Democratic and you vote for the Clintons, you're doing it with a piece of shit taste in your mouth. Because you know. I mean, you can't deny what, whether you like WikiLeaks and all this stuff or not. Everybody knows now. What's been done there? What's the DNC has done? How corrupt they are? How they sent protesters out and paid them to disrupt Trump rallies? You don't see Republican protesters or Trump protesters out disturbing the Democratic uh, rallies. That uh, no, no, as much, no, no, no. as much, no, as much, no, as much. No, 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 maybe not this cycle. But I would say, it's you sure don't hear about it in news version. It's interesting that the Trump revolt was not a Tea Party movement. Like that's one thing I think you could say is positive. I think their influence has been fairly. Uh, mitigated within the Republican Party. Strangely, I think you'll find over history, and this is a guess, uh, I think you will see the Republican Party more united over the next four years because goddamn nobody wants Trump ever again. So no. we better find a way to yeah, work we gotta find a And I think you'll find that the Democrats become less united than they ever have been, and they're the ones who run the risk of splitting uh, off a large chunk of the party because of the Bernie Sanders and the young voters who want all these, you know, kind of more socialistic kind of ideas to go through. There's a historical example for this, not a dovetail off what you're saying. That's the uh, Democrats in 1968. Uh, if anybody, I mean, sure. pick up a history book, 
the Democratic Party was split in half in two diametrically opposed camps. Without getting into the ideology of it, they literally were fighting pitched battles out in front of the the the, the, the convention in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It, it, what I'm getting at is, and what that did is, it sentenced them to eight years of Republican rule before they finally got their shit together. Uh, kind of won back Congress. Anyway, what I'm getting at is, right. just watch over the next eight years. Go back to my. You're gonna have the Wall Street Republicans. Versus the Walmart Republicans, who are Trump's people, uh, they're going to go at it over this election cycle. Hillary's going to win this one. Then the Wall Street Republicans are going to look at the Walmart ones and be like, "See what you morons did." And then finally, the Republican Party can move forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to see a much more moderate party. You're going, you're going yeah. to see a party that just didn't on the far I, I right would, outskirts. Guys, and I would you say, know, say a party that that is more down the middle. Well, and you know what, as, as a civil rights kind of person, this, this election actually makes me smile. And the reason why is the seeds of this election were sown by Karl Rove and Reagan's guy, I forget his name. Uh, Ralph Reed. No, him and the other guy that died in the early 90s from South Carolina. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in, the, in the early 80s when they realized, wait a minute... The only way we're ever going to peel off the, you know, we compete, or not, they saw an opportunity to peel off the Southern white vote by spinning the election, which is, in America, has always been about economics, in other words, money. Now it's about bullshit social issues that no one has any business governing on your, anyway, without getting into politics on that. But, so they realized, wait a minute, if we just co-opt the Southern Baptist agenda, we win the entire South. Because, anyway, so, because what happened earlier, flip side, in the 60s, the whole reason why Lyndon Baines Johnson, a valid racist, signed the Civil Rights Act was to win the African-American voting bloc so that they could finally beat the Republicans. So yeah. what I'm getting at is, is that all this nastiness was sown in the early 80s uh, when Lee the Republicans sold Lee Atwater. Mm. When, they, when, when they sold their soul... To, to put Reagan in office. Yes, sir. Well, you saw Ralph Reed had a huge influence. I mean, yeah. that, was, that was the Christian rally coming yeah. together. He moral majority and all that. Put them all yeah. together. Yeah, moral majority and all that nonsense. And I think you you do see, though, to Big Day's point, I think, once you start going off track, and this is yeah. where Clinton was a master of this. Yeah. Triangulation. Dick Morris. Yeah. I mean, like, he invented the theory, and you, you know, kind of basically stay in the center and you figure out which way the wind's blowing and you co-opt that, that issue. Well, I, I, I'd like to take no, one no, second, no. though. You... I'd like to take one second, though. I want to announce my write-in candidacy for the Socialist Conservative <laughs> Party. Vote for Dave, Big Dave Elliott out there. You know, we're going to have basic socialist programs and we're still going to have the capitalistic society for those who uh, endeavor to work that way. That's so, the Democrat you know, I, I'm platform. looking for at least 10 to 12 votes. That's all I need. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's the okay. traditional Democrat platform. <laughs> remember, remember out there, that is Big Dave Elliott. If you just write Dave Elliott, it could be a different dude. That's right. <laughs> That's to be Big Dave. <laughs> we got to say Big Dave Elliott. Or you could write, write in Lane Boland. For You're the, my vice president. No, no, Shut no, up. No, because my platform <laughs> is do whatever you want. We're just not paying for it. <laughs> 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 so, so you're not
So. Hey, I think I think you and I should have a debate on. This. <laughs> I am a, I am sticking with the uh, mayoral race. Uh, going still going with the bust your head party. Bust your head. I will elect I will elect Rio to that. Yeah, Rio has the best platform <laughs> I've ever heard. He's he staying he stay in local go. If it works, if it works locally, we'll take it state. If it works state, uh, we're going for the White House. Mm. But but let's let's start busting heads locally first. Bust your head. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get cursed rep. Cursed rep. I'll say one weird thing about the system is Rick. Yeah. And this is where where I think uh, Hillary Clinton did herself a ginormous disservice because now I think. Because of the fact of the way the Democrats ran their primary and then had to get rid of Debbie Wasserman Schultz for admitting to rigging the primaries, it lends this bizarre, slight credence to Trump fanatics to go see, you know, right, right, the entire right. system is rigged. They've done it before. They're doing it again. Right. And that's that's really too bad, honestly. Yeah, well, because the, the crazy thing to me is... It reminds me uh, of Watergate. Like, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually didn't need to do it. You were going to win. You were going to win anyway. Did you right, really right. need the break in? Yeah. To find yeah. out nothing? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I think what... I am not a crook. I think what, <laughs> <laughs> I think what amazes me is... Uh, Just a thief. What amazes me about the whole thing is, you know, you know... Just watching Donald throw this this temper tantrum is is fairly amazing to me. It's just I've never seen anything like it from a grown man. Uh, but um, and the system is definitely not rigged against Trump in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But I do think you're right in that the things that the Democratic uh, Party did to to rig for Hillary on that side, then does leave the door open for for the doubt, right? Yep. You know, and 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 unfortunately, you know, that's all you need. You just needed a crack in the door, and, he, and she gave it to. But I would say, and you can say argue that perhaps the national system. It, as a whole is yeah. not rigged. Right, right, right. What I would say is that the Republican Party, state by state, probably is working actively to rig the system against him. They're not out there stumping for him. They're not out there pushing. Well, like now that's another. Ass. Now whether his own party's rigging against him. That's what I would. Maybe what yeah, I think makes yeah. a little more sense as the Republicans just said, "Screw him. We're not helping you out because you're a jackass." So. Well, I mean, he's insulted just about every single one of them. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, why? Yeah, it's. Uh, and when he doesn't get, a, get what again, he wants, imagine he, you're he a tries to party. blackmail him on TV. You're. It's hey, Jackie, it's can never you ever about, make me a sandwich? <laughs> it's never about being a person. It's about winning your local election. We're going to pause the show here <laughs> to pick Lane up off the floor. <laughs> well, here, here's a little something interesting today, too, that ties into the future of the Democratic Party. I'm just. It was jokes, baby. It's a joke. I'm changing my Did I say anything? Your face said everything. Not this female may not like this either, but but this is something I saw come across in the email today. Former Attorney General Holder will chair a new umbrella group, which will focus on redistricting reform. There's too many R's in there for me on that. As they claim to take on the Republican gerrymandering, more R's, of state restricting maps. So, 
once again, barking up the wrong tree, because this is what I despise about presidential elections. When you ask presidents things that are really state and local issues that they have zero control or zero authority over every single time. So yeah, go ahead and start a, a lobbyist company, which is all that is, is a lobbying firm to you yes, know, go lobby exactly state what governments. He went but it's not even a presidential uh, question. It really is a state question. You but know, they're looking to redistrict by 2020. They can try whatever they want. It's not going to happen. Like if Eric Holder goes down to South Carolina and says, I'm dying to redistrict down here, they're going to tell him to get the hell out. And right. we don't care about your politics. What but we care about is ours. I found, I just found it an yeah. interesting little tidbit that, you know, this is, they've used, they're using him again in, in a different type of uh, sure. venue. Sure. And, you know, here he kind of resurfaces again. I mean, can, like, can, can, can I just read Jamie? Yeah, please. What do you think about that? Oh, no. I, I just, yeah. <clears throat> All I wanted to say was I'm giving 10 to 1 odds that Trump asks Hillary Clinton to make him a sandwich the next debate. Wow. To make him what? A sandwich. <laughs> okay. So, wait, now, now, of course, of, of course, of course, of course, these are jokes. But uh, I will. But I do want to talk about uh, the uh, the stalking in the last debate. I, you know, I when I when I watched it, I thought it was odd that everywhere she went on camera. He was behind her. But I didn't necessarily think of it as stalking until I started seeing clips back of, I'm like, why did he have to be there? Like, no matter what side of the stage she was on, he was he was behind her. Okay. And uh, I, just, I thought that was very he, he strange. Was, and I know that that is a... And well, I know that's a, a I know that's a, a tactic, though. And he doesn't get to pick which camera they're picking. I think I will honestly tell you. But he did, though. I mean, I, I, he did watch, or he did do that. No, no, no. I think you have camera angles that definitely make it look like he was no. stalking. She I went back to her up. chair, yes, and when she walked over to her side of the stage, because she walked right in front of the person she was addressing, he would circle behind his chair. Circle behind her, Which means like he was pacing from, all over the stage. I can give you nine thousand camera angles that would make it look like you were stalking anybody that you walked by in a crowd. I you gotta hit the man so that's things, his business. So yeah, many he's, things he's are directorial decisions <coughs> that they do. Uh, I'm saying I, I think it's a little odd that it's CNN. I think the scowling is bizarre. I don't yeah, know yeah, why yeah. Somebody wouldn't coach you to be better on TV. Yeah, but again, if you if you. Recall, Bill Clinton was the master of this. He would walk around the stage, and it was a semi-circular stage. So, you know, you want to be addressing everybody, making them feel like they're important, and looking there, and da-da-da-da-da. You don't just stand there. Oh, yeah. I, I love this, too. But, okay, but she, he didn't need to walk around the stage while she was talking. Sure, I think Why if not? you're Donald Trump, of course you do. You can move anywhere you want to <laughs> And again, I think the way the stage hey, is like that was an Donald, exceptionally poor you're stage. You're $3 million. Dollars. Smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you for TV? Here's here's what here's one thing I thought absurd and funny at the same time this week was Donald Trump coming out saying we need to be drug tested before our next debate. Not we, she. She, we, whatever. But Josh Ernest today turned around and said, 
Well, in the first two debates, did you ever notice how he was snorting so much? Right. Yeah. Sniffling so much. And he must be doing, he didn't say he must be doing cocaine, but that was definitely an insinuation mm -hmm. of it. So, I, I just, I yeah, heard that. Yeah, I did. I'm just kind of like, oh, this is, you guys aren't even in the sewer anymore. You're actually looking up at the sewer. The sewer's flowing above you somewhere because you're laying in the bottom of it. On both parties. Yeah, I, I definitely thought at at several points we had hit rock bottom with this thing. Yeah. And apparently, no. What did oh, no. Bill Maher say? I thought we saw the bottom like two, two weeks, weeks ago. Right. And then oh. last week, no, we were looking up at where we were at. Now, <laughs> I can't remember how he said it, like last week. Something like was, that. I and mean, yeah. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, but, so yeah, I, yeah, I thought I, we I had hit bottom, but I will no. say rose-colored glasses again. If you go back in history, this isn't even close. Close to the worst campaign that we've ever witnessed, the worst things that have been done. You can argue that perhaps in modern times, mm -hmm. it's a little bizarre. <clears throat> but I would also say that, I mean, like, man, they would falsely accuse each other of having uh, illegitimate children. <laughs> they, they would do shit like that all God the time. Uh, <laughs> can, can, can you think I of think a particular election off the top of your head out of curiosity? Thomas Jefferson was the first one, and Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. he, yeah, yeah I do. Absolutely. You're uh, right. Wrote a think about that. Hamilton put out a paper that said that he has all these. You know, black kids running around from Sally Hemings. And well, well, and that's a which good he, point. Which he did. Which material <laughs> fact. <laughs> which he did. Nobody knew at that point. At that point. Because and you certainly didn't have DNA testing or anything of that kind and in that crap. Hey, first year of law school, they're trying <clears> to <throat> teach us the truth <clears throat> is an absolute defense. You but know I, what? I think, <laughs> think, okay. I think it's a good point, though. I mean, it, it goes back to things that we've talked about that weren't, you know, involving politics. It's social media and the instant, you know, gratification or instant news or whatever you want to call sure. it that you have now as opposed to even when we were growing up, you still had to wait for yeah, five and news. ten yeah, or news, six and right. ten or you had to wait for the paper to come out the next day or, you know, I mean, it is. It well, is I think that has also led us down the path of where we're looking up at the sewer, too. Yeah, yeah, no, I think well, you're absolutely and, right. Well, <laughs> I'm not a huge Excuse fan me. of social media in that aspect because it's, it's just so much bullshit. I would just go back and see if you read. The internet's so much bullshit. Half of what you read, you got to turn around and go three or five sources. Well, what's the saying? Just you, to figure out, you know, what's going on. Sure. Yeah, well, half of what you read, none of what you hear. If you read the op-eds from the founding fathers who were not fathers at all, they hated each other and despised each other. They were some of the worst human beings on the face of the earth. They happened to strike upon a reasonably decent idea through compromise. They come but up with, they yeah. were horrific people. You yeah. know, who would say and do anything and, you know, did. Have you seen John Adams? Well, yeah. Well, actually, Bill O'Reilly has done horrible things. Bill O'Reilly did a great history series on the founding fathers. And that was one of the things that he brought up is that these guys were after each other constantly. I mean, the political play and everything that they had. Did you happen? Any, did you happen to watch that at all? Was that not excellently done? Thomas I know, and I know a, lot, a lot. A lot of ours, you know, people may not like Bill O'Reilly, but he has, has has really done a great job at some of these series. It's been phenomenal. He's done a lot. He's done histories of the West and some of the Billy the Kid and then Jesse James. And these have been wonderful series. They really are. And you know, I don't know. They probably aren't all totally factual, but they're pretty close. All right. But and they really, 
expose a few different things. Have you watched them at all, Chris? Nah, I've read a couple of his books and I found them to be like a little history light. But what I would say is, and that's why I just said it's a little history light. But 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 it is interesting how he did his series. But I've heard him say a thousand times, founding fathers, founding fathers, is that there's one group of really united people who all got together and hung out at a bar and came up with a great government and they chilled out on the weekends and did all this. They absolutely despised each other. That may, that may be what I wind up calling the panel. But the I don't despise Rio and the Founding Fathers. And I That's hilarious. I, I, I don't speak for an honest female, but, but I don't think any of us despise any of us. <laughs> I don't think any of us despise any of us. I don't think Brian likes one of the lines. Well, did I not blow the anonymous yeah. female away the other day? I think you did. Speaking of which, blow me uh, you want to... She's already forgot. Typical woman. Okay, so wait. Before, before, for the apology before, or for you being wrong? Before we oh, go. for me being wrong. <laughs> hey, See how you Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Now, tell you the same thing that I told Mario. That Go actually, fuck yourself. That actually, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you weren't there. You don't know, buddy. <laughs> that it surprised me quite a bit. Um, not that you were willing to apologize, but when we left, I was fine. Mm -hmm. It was good. I don't. And I knew you were. I f yeah, I feel like we can just. I mean, we've had that conversation. We can disagree here. I'm not going to hold it against anybody. And I would hope that you wouldn't hold it against me. But then my so, wife yelled at me. So well, so, I can't. I can't do anything about the about yeah, Michelle yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I'm not going to get yeah, on Michelle's right. bad side either. Yeah, okay, so idea. let me let me jump let me jump in here and and say for everybody out there podcast <laughs> land is wondering what in the hell we're talking about. So, uh, last week, um, I don't know if Big Dave hadn't fully heard, or he had heard, and his wife just chewed his ass about it, um, about, uh, about the, um, the locker room talk, quote-unquote, mm. um, and his defense of it at the time. But uh, after fully hearing the locker room talk, he did send a quite a nice text to the anonymous female to say, hey... I am sorry, that was not like a room talk, and I uh, apologize uh, for, for my stance on that at the time. And, uh, and we all did the full awe. I got a little teary-eyed. But I also went after Hillary after that, too. Uh, you did. You I, did. Said, you. I said he apologized, and he still... Why is it socially acceptable to say... <laughs> He's this still person me has that opinion. person by the balls, but you can't say this person has that person by the pussy. That's interesting. One, one, one thing, one thing, the, 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 the one thing that <laughs> I had noticed today, <laughs> it is true though. I'm Bowling asking the real question. <laughs> I was, I was thinking about some things today though, and, and, and dealing with the media and the social media and everything else. Is that it's pretty interesting in that in all these years, nobody has come after Trump for sexual allegations. All of a sudden, there they are. There was a man in the previous election that I liked a lot, and I thought he was he was a pretty square man. I think he still is a square man. That's Herman Cain. Yeah. And if you remember right, they came after him viciously as soon as he started to gain some traction. 
Well, and, and he felt like he had to get out because he didn't want to do any more damage to his family. Well, well he didn't I'm, want anything else coming out. Well, I will say, Herman Cain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and here's where I'm going to have to disagree with you. Uh, Herman Cain was a nutbaggery of, of a special ilk. But he was uh, a little bit of an outsider, too. Uh, kind of no, like no, okay. more than an now, outsider. Well, okay, Bef before I... Before, uh, before we go down this particular uh, rabbit, <laughs> rabbit hole, I've been I, I feel like I'm about to get beat up. No, 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 <laughs> not, not at all. But before we go down this particular rabbit hole, I did want to uh, uh, ask uh, Brian what kind of thoughts he's been having because he's been quiet this podcast uh, about any of what we've been saying. Because uh, because you uh, the, the you, you do represent the millennials uh, yes. on this podcast. And uh, and all of us. I'm a millennial. Do you, do you actually have a typical political party? I guess you are a millennial. 1980. You don't. Yeah. You don't act millennialish at all. He's got an old soul. He's got an old soul. <laughs> at all. Larry's got an old soul. You're, you generation. Yeah, Brian, you're generation X in, in, in your in your mentality with 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 the rest of us. Okay, we are we. Yes, but Brian. Actually, on on Dave's point. Saying, uh, you know, why are they going after him now? I, honestly, I think that has a lot to do with social media and the fact that once you become in the spotlight now, it's easier to go after somebody. Where before, I feel like someone as powerful as Trump would have control of the entire situation. Mm -hmm. As soon as it becomes this public, you lose that control. Well, very, and, very and with women, though, it it's like courage in numbers. It, it takes somebody to go out and say, this happened, before other together. people will say, it happened to me, it happened to me, it happened to well, me. Well, you have to assume that everybody who's seen it is, is being honest. You do, and, 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 and so, so, but so that's the beauty of America, it's supposed this, to be... This, but again, this, is, this will take me back to like the Hillary point. Yeah. There will be enough dishonest people who come out and go, me too... Uh, that it will all of a sudden cast out on the people that it did happen to, and that's what sucks. And I'll tell you, a classic example is uh, a Jennifer Flowers, who yeah. Hillary railed on and just tore to pieces. And it turns out it's truer, truer than the sky is blue. I mean, like, my God, everybody knows it happened. You I know, think now Juanita Broadwood is even, is even a, a worse example, because I do believe Bill Rayford. And I, I really I do. That, I, I don't think that can be denied. They have highway patrol officers who stood outside the door who were embarrassed who said, yeah, it happened. You know, okay, but why do we keep... Okay, Only in the, but it's why do we keep going? It doesn't, you though. You can't defend one you, side and not the other. I'm not... The okay, it goes matter. back to what we said last it's the week. the principle of the matter. We're not talking about Bill. He's not running for president anymore. We're talking anymore. about your judgment in, in the principle that you would believe in. It's, it's the, the overall view. It's the overall view. Look how many people, you know, not to always bring him up, but look how many people didn't believe Bill Cosby did what he did. Sure. Until, I mean, how many women had to come forward before somebody finally said, "Well, hell, this might actually be true, and we probably should look into it." He was, he was, you know, again, they got settled. The cases were dropped. He thought people were money grabbing, and I think some of them were money. But grabbing. But why is it when a woman money. says something happens, the first thought is always, "Well, what did she do?" That's not what the first thought is. What happens is that people start bandwagoning it and looking for an opportunity, and so all of a sudden you're going to have all these civil cases against Bill Cosby, and I'll, I'll guarantee you, probably three quarters of them are accurate. But you have a quarter of them in there that are not accurate and are just going for the money, yeah. and they ruin it for everybody else. And it sucks. It's not like people think, 
it, there's nobody on earth. And again, I, I will throw this out because everybody knows I would have voted to acquit OJ in a heartbeat. Not because I didn't think he did the murder. Most people think he did the murder. It was just there was so much planted evidence. It's like, well, which evidence do I believe in? Which one is doing? Mm -hmm. You know, and which so, is why he got off. And he should have, rightfully right. so, by the legal yeah, system. Yeah, by the legal system. He should have gotten off. And it's only because they took so much shit evidence and mixed it in with the good evidence that you didn't know what was real anymore. And you're like, oh, fuck yeah. the whole thing. And I yeah. will, yeah. I will say, uh, from just from an editorial standpoint of the Law Party podcast, um, uh, OJ did that shit. But uh, from from a legal standpoint, that should be a from, podcast on its own. Right. Yeah. I know every single yeah. thing about this case. I yeah, but I say from yeah. No, so you know what? Actually, I would love for on a podcast for us to actually go back through the OJ case because well, let's have an OJ talk. Uh, not today. Not today. No. We won't do that today. Uh, first of all, I don't think we actually got all of all of what Brian had to say out. I'm sorry, Brian. Um, but uh, but totally hijacked. But you. that is going to happen at a later podcast. I swear it will, because um, it's because OJ is just such an odd case because um, it was the it was the first time in modern <laughs> times you saw. The, you saw where the racial divide was oh, because before that. because well I, it was there Brown obviously King, but Kobe. I think publicly people were like you know like oh he did it and then and then black people were like no nah, OJ's innocent nah I don't think OJ was innocent by a long shot now me and you do disagree on on one person uh, we disagree most most Americans thought he did not do it at the start, including the white Americans, who slowly came to the conclusion that he well, did do it. It wasn't an immediate that he did do it. And in fact, the, for the first... Well, I don't think anybody wanted Juice to have done it. And that was yeah. it. I mean, he was, yeah. a, he was he a different was figure and that he appealed universally. Mm -hmm. Rodney King, you can make the... the like Bill Cosby. Yeah, yeah, like I don't think people want it, but I tell you, yeah. so, but I tell you the yeah. funny thing Mike is, Tyson. I tell you the funny I thing is, I had mm -hmm. a, I had a good Still friend. I had a good friend. Yeah, I definitely believe Mike was innocent. Um, I had a good friend who uh, put something out on Facebook. Innocent of what? Of the rape. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Mike Tyson. Yes. Right, Sorry. Right. Um, I, I, I had a good friend who. Um, <laughs> Oh, oh! I got, Jackson did it. Yeah, I got a good friend that uh, put on <laughs> yeah, yeah. Facebook that you know, like, oh, I can't believe they're going after Bill Cosby, and um, I, I said one, and I didn't join in the argument afterwards, but I did throw one incendiary bomb in there because I said one phrase, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Cliff Huxtable did that shit. Because <laughs> it just and 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 I didn't have any good evidence, but it was one of those things. You know, it's, it's funny being. But, a, but you didn't believe it at first either. It wasn't like the minute it came out. No, not the minute it, it came was, out. It was after a few weeks and hearing all the other stuff and. People make the mistake of thinking it just came out in the last year. It no, no, no. This been, this has yeah, been floating around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this has been floating around a long time. Really, and, you know, we have trouble believing our heroes are fault. Yes. Yeah. You have a, trouble believing our heroes. Yeah. Look, look, and like that's I say, I just thing to deal with. I know, I know, unmitigatedly, I fully disagree with at least two people on the panel. Uh, 
I don't believe just because I don't want to believe in my <laughs> spirit that Michael did that shit. I believe that Michael Jackson was basically a fucking kid at heart that was fucking playing uh, Doctor. I see. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he was having fucking slumber parties and shit that he shouldn't have been doing. Shit that he shouldn't have been doing with children because he was grown. I believe that. Do I believe he was actually molesting kids? I don't believe it. I don't want to believe it because... I, I was so in love with Michael Jackson. You don't want to believe. Growing up, sure. I just don't want to believe that. Sure. But, but I will say also, if we're talking about the legal system, in our legal system, he was acquitted of all charges. So, uh, but, but in, 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 in the other way, I do believe that OJ was acquitted of all charges. Well, but I believe he did that shit. But <laughs> so so I won't place. say it's not like oh, I think all black people were innocent. You know, I believe R. Kelly pissed on that girl. <laughs> you, know, right. you know, like I, I believe plenty of things. I just don't want to believe Michael Jackson did that shit. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's more interesting. At a local and family level. Yeah. Which I think might be one of the weird issues of just many communities, not just the black community or any other community. Like, you so desperately want to believe that somebody you know did not commit a did crime. Did not commit the crime. That you do whatever you can to... Well, I still have a question for, for, for Mr. Brian over here. Yeah. Come on, Brain Mask. What, Jump do, in here. what do you think the millennial generation is going to take on in the next four years and after this, this election? How do you think they're going to start seeing things? Are they going to get disengaged from the process? Or are they going to get more engaged with the process? Please disengage. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's also part of the part of the thing is that it's sort of unpredictable. It's I mean, you mentioned, you know, whichever the way the wind's blowing and again, not not to beat this dead horse, but it's social media and sure. it's whatever catches fire, everyone starts leaning towards very, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll see the same thing. I know that you have some <coughs> some of the stats sitting here. Um, yeah. I think I think now that Clinton, according to the, the data, she's starting to take lead, I think that that's all they really needed. And I think that it's going to start swaying that way very quickly just because that that's the way it happens now with how fast things move. Yeah, yeah. I don't the think new, the, the news cycle isn't daily. It's, Honestly, it's hourly. But what time is specifically millennials? I agree. So what I'm saying is I do believe the news cycle moves that fast, and I'm with you. What I do think is that the ideas themselves and getting them implemented take time for people to accept. And I'll give you two classic examples, one now and one that happened in the past. So they, the first attempt at uh, a national healthcare system was actually under Hillary in the mid-90s. And people were so repulsed by even the thought of a national healthcare system, like the government's taking over our healthcare, this is gonna be bullshit, yada, yada, yada. But you had, 20 years in between where a generation grew up thinking it was, oh, this is an interesting idea, you know, and they got used to that idea, and they were the younger people who were pushing for it, so by the time they were old enough to where it made a big difference to them because their insurance premiums were rising or whatever the case Mm -hmm. was, then it became law. I think you'll see the same thing right now with this bullshit about not paying for college. There are so many kids who now just don't want to pay their student loans just because they don't want to pay them, that... Right now, it's an incredibly stupid idea that will never pass and would bankrupt our country, but I guarantee you in 15 to 20 years, 
some asshole president passes the you don't have to pay for college bill anymore, you know, and then it's an acceptable idea. And it sucks. I will lose you know? my mind. So will I, because will I worked help? for my own college and paid for it all the way through. And I'm like, yes. you lazy sons of bitches I. can actually, and again, as a, this is a broad generality, but as a group, these are kids who are living at home, you know, not really working. They prefer a lifestyle over, over money or jobs or things like that for the most part. If you take on the characteristics of the millennial generation, that's how they're defined, certainly in advertising. And I think if you look at those stats in general, that's that's what appeals to them. There are more kids living at home, 29 and under, right now. And there were in 1880. Than well, there ever before. But there, and there are also kids that may not be living at home but are still on their parents' insurance. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. Generation with leeches. But I will tell you, an argument is, and I feel like it's pretty legitimate, is... My entire time growing up, I was told if I just go to college and I graduate, it doesn't matter what I graduate with, I will have a job that will be able to pay for it. Now, that seems crazy, but if you tell someone their entire time growing up, from the time that they are five all the way to you know 18 when they're deciding what college to go to, mm -hmm. they're going to accept that. I mean, it's Right. Now, what but in the legal system, well, some people do. I, and how guys, long I can, uh, are you to take on debt? And all but, right. And again, sorry. I agree. No, sorry. With you. I agree. Listen, with you. listen. Because listen. that's what I. In the legal system, yeah, ignorance is. is not a defense. Just because you're stupid and gullible doesn't mean we have to pay for it. So and moreover, <laughs> it's the largest <laughs> amount of unsecured debt in this country, and would literally bankrupt us because a bunch of dumb kids, yep. you know, wrote. Listen. I know so Get a many job, kids. Pay your fucking bills. I know a shit ton of kids who can afford the bar bill every <laughs> Be nice Friday and Saturday, but can't afford their student loan payments. They can't afford you, TV you, insurance. Insurance when that was the big one. I was so opposed to insurance not because you know, I said uh, forty million Americans can't afford it. I'm like, there's a the fucking bar bill with cable TV at their house. They can afford it. No, it's I, a matter of where you spend your money. But do you Get a second think job. That, do you think colleges? really overpriced though now? I think the, the rates of increase in tuitions have been uh, semi-unsustainable for a lot of people. But what I also would say is, I know a lot of kids who just go, you know what, then I'm not going to work at all. I'm just going to take it all on student loans. I'm actually going to take even more so I can live and not have to work. And then I'm going to get me... blown away by the bill when it hits them. And they're in debt till they're 50 and they don't realize, and it's through their own fault, that now, once you have masked that amount of debt, your choices in life are exceptionally limited. Let's flip this for the positive. Okay. okay. No. <clears throat> this is all exhibit A, case in point, why we need to have like real-world financial education in high school. Because a student loan is nothing more than a mortgage on your brain. Liber you Liberty is um, Liberty are. School yeah, District is starting to do right. that. They all have to go through a personal finance class. Well, I'm serious. So yeah. you're, you're taking out this mortgage on your brain, mm -hmm. and you need to be able to justify that your earnings potential as a result of taking this mortgage is going to exceed the interest. Which means no, you cannot study political science. You cannot study history. And oh, by the way, way, you need to get a fucking job. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to my nephew Trevor. Okay. Mm -hmm. so his mother and father were fairly wealthy. They do fairly well. They're not extremely wealthy, but they do. I'm well. swearing too much. I'm sorry. And he went to Truman. Haven't got us kicked off yet. <laughs> he went to Truman University. They paid for his first two years. He paid for his last two years. He went on to watch you and got a degree in Master of Finance that he financed in Old South. That's him. 
So he's, he's basically got four years that he's totally financed himself. He knew from the beginning, in fact, he, he, he was playing football for Truman and he quit playing football because I got studied. I got to be able to go out and get a job. I got to be able to pay for this stuff. And he graduated in, I think, seventh in a class of, I don't know how many at Washington U, but it's, it's quite an accomplishment. That's a very difficult university, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And now he's out there working and he's focused. He knows that he has to pay down his debt. All right, that's his primary focus. I have to get rid of this. I'm gonna make enough money, I'm gonna pay this off, and then I'm gonna go forward and make my own wealth. Because when he makes his own wealth, then he's gotta take me hunting and fishing like I did him. <laughs> so he has to take care of his old big uncle Dave. That's the deal. But you know, there are kids, a lot of kids out there to get this. And they understand what the system is. <clears throat> but there's also a lot of kids like like Chris said that just it's just beyond them. They're out there living in fantasy land. Fantasy land comes back and kicks you in the ass. Yes, it does. I, you know, I, I, I lived in that fantasy land for a while when I was a young man and it totally told, took me out. Sure. You know, but I've risen from that and it made me stronger. I have just as many friends that are living with their parents. I'm so I'm twenty seven. I have just as many friends living with their parents as I do have friends that are very successful on their own. And, but that's, that's scary, actually. But that's an enormous percentage that's, of people. Exactly. That, that's that's scary. Uh, on the day I turned 18, I split and never yeah. went back. Well, I got kicked out of my house when I was 18. Lane got kicked out early. And, and, yeah. <laughs> when, when was going to live on your own, people start talking about individual, <laughs> like, I know this guy, I know this guy. We all do. As a societal trend right it would be very difficult to to deny that they're living with their parents infinitely longer that they're not working nearly as many hours and they choose lifestyle over career advancement most of the time well, my wife saw that at the bank all the time, right Chris. there right there lifestyle my wife saw that at the bank constantly when she was still working at the bank but these young kids were coming in and their lifestyle was much important than their job let's just I mean, look, let's look at the math right uh, there's a, a, a widely published statistic that the, the difference between getting a college degree and not getting one is $500,000 in lifetime earnings. Lifetime earnings. The average cost of a degree today is $80,000. So you're getting about a 600% return on your money provided two things. One, you get a job, and two, you pay your student loans. Those loans ain't going away because... You can't discharge them in a bankruptcy. Bingo. So, again, get a job, be an adult, grow up. This is like... <laughs> I also say there's another problem, too. Put and your I, big girl, I, big girl pants on and get after it. No, yeah. I, I, I think Brian makes an excellent point, though. Four years, it was go to college and you will have a job. And what I would say is this And I country, think that's the way the country was set up. For a time. Kind of, but I think that's because so few people went to college and now everybody goes exactly. to college and so it's different. What I would say is we devalue trade schools yeah. so much that it is, that's the biggest crime. In fact, in this day and age, you could actually just go to a trade school. So uh, I had this conversation. So I'm a huge if I was an 18-year-old female graduating high school, I would never go to college. I would learn how to code. And I would take a year learning JavaScript and HTML. Yeah. Rio, and, that, and Rio. then you'd be you'd, at 19. You're making 100 grand. Everyone and, knows um, I'm a card-carrying conservative. Yes. I mean, at least on the fiscal side. Yeah, on the fiscal side. Right, right, right. Here's the deal. If I had to do it all over again, 
I would not have gone to university. I would have gone into the union-sponsored electricians program. I would have saved some money in my 20s, bought a business, and then do whatever the fuck I want from my 40s on. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I would have done something different too because at 18 I wasn't ready to go to school. Yeah. yeah. I would have gone out and worked. I would have got my job in the oil field. Mm -hmm. And I would have made my own money and matured. Yeah. I mean, my perfect example is this. I couldn't get a C out of math all through school. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Dollar at, at 28 years. Damn right. At 28 <laughs> years of age, I went back and took some drafting classes because I, by now I'm a carpenter, and this, this is going to help promote what I do and be better at what I do. I start at this time I was building ski condos in New Hampshire and places like this. I took at, my first class I had to take was a college algebra class. Mm. I was horrible at it. I was third in my class. I aced it. I wasn't stoned anymore, so that had a lot to do with it. But, it may have helped. But, have but, helped. but my point being is, is that it, it dawned on me at that time, if I would have chose my path differently, I wouldn't have ended up homeless on the streets. I would have I got a job. I would have gone back to college. I would have got a degree. I would have figured out that I, I really liked you know, geology and probably gotten, gone back into the oil field and worked, worked in geology, figuring out the different formations and the soils and everything that was related to getting natural gas and oil out of the ground. And I've been making $150,000 a year doing it. Yeah, I think there was a, I'll throw out one more thing that I think there's a commonality. Yeah. Uh, this say when we were talking about, I guess it was on Father's Day or the Father's Day podcast. I think you can push a lot of this back on parenting. Yeah. And Absolutely. just say, listen, no, you're not going to stay in my fucking house. You can't sleep here. And, you know, the day I left college, my dad and I didn't talk for seven years, so that I dropped out. He goes, well, then you're a loser and go make something of yourself and let me know when you're not a loser anymore. <laughs> and so that Sounds like my dad. <laughs> that's, that's my point. It does sound like a lot of dads that would have been closer to our generation where you're seeing the parents kind of tolerate a lot. That goes of back to the Father's Day podcast. I completely agree. So we talked about some of those <clears throat> some of those folks, some of my friends that I know that are living at home. I, I was just thinking about this earlier today, actually. I was thinking, how do my parents put up with this? I, my, mom, <clears throat> excuse me, my mom came up and visited uh, this past weekend. I even, like, that's what I think about is we, we, we bring it up because it kind of, I don't know that it bothers me. I just wonder what's going to happen in 20 years or 10 years, you know, we're talking about like, like going out traveling, right? Almost as a group to go like with the Vegas sort of thing. Yeah. Like, what happens in 10 years if I want to go do that with my friends? They aren't going to be able to afford it. They're no. still living with their parents. And so I was kind of thinking through this, talking with my mom about it, and I was thinking, if I wanted to come home now, if I absolutely needed to at this point, she would be okay with it, but she, I mean, she's not going to let me sleep in, that kind of thing. I wouldn't be able to go... No, there would, be, there would be things you had to do yeah, to actively would, get out. Absolutely. And... Um, but that's part of it, is these, these guys, their, their parents just let it happen, and it, to, to what end? But I, yeah. I also, I like the point that, that Dave made about, you know, you make your decisions, you know, you think about the, the place you're in, and, and I feel like I sort of had that point. First of all, again, people are going through college told, hey, if you go to college, you're going to have, and you graduate, you're going to be able to get a job and all of that. But at what point do you stop and look around and ask yourself the question? Because that's actually what I did. Is I went through, I was in the business school at KU, and I was in a 300-student class, 365-student class, and thought, you know, if I graduate with this degree, I'm going to have to compete with 
all 365 people that are in this room, plus however many other business schools there are. And at some point I realized, you know, maybe I should go into something else, because I don't want to compete with all these guys. That's when I switched over to doing mathematics, and that's helped me. Mm -hmm. But again, it's having that awareness to say, I'm not going just going through the motions that I'm told, hey, just go get a degree, you'll be good. Is actually, at one point, do you sort of sit back and say, maybe I should ask myself these questions. And you could take this another step and say, well, maybe college now has just become a larger filter. To say, hey, we're, we, you know, we're filtering out those that are, it goes back to are asking, like, that are asking the right questions. It goes back to being a grown-ass man or woman. At a certain point, it does. It does. Um, you have to become a grown-ass man or woman. And you have to make your decisions, and you're going to success or fail from your decisions. But also, yes. it also involves parenting. To it does. And disproportionately, millennials think of their parents as some of their best friends. My parents yeah. are not my best friends. They were my parents. You know, I was going to make that point here. It, it, it's a huge statistical anomaly in the way this generation, if you want to make a difference between probably Gen X and the millennial generation, and again, these are broad strokes. I was blown away because I think their parents' buddies. Michelle and I never had children, <laughs> but we had a lot of friends that did. And we watched so many of our friends be helicopter parents. Yeah. And they, the kids finally moved out of the house, and they looked at each other and said, who the hell are you? Because they, they were so wrapped up in their, in their kids and their activities and everything else that they got to the end of it and they forgot. You don't grow old with your children, you grow old with each other. With each mm -hmm. other, yeah, absolutely. Well, and a and lot that's of, the secret, yeah. secret to a good marriage, is but that a lot you have of, to realize that. A lot of couples don't do that. Yes. They got divorced. Yep. Okay, so I got some homework for, <clears throat> I got some homework for the round table. All right. So, um, so normally I don't uh, announce what the topic of just just some inside baseball for anybody out there listening to the podcast. I normally don't announce what the topic is until Saturday or Sunday before we record, and we record on Mondays. Um, but um, I think there's been a couple of really good things that came up on this podcast that I think that would make for a really good podcast next week. Um, and we're going to hold off on doing another purely uh, political and social podcast for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so next week's podcast is going to be entitled Mortgage on Your Brain. Mortgage on Your Brain. Well so, Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, and the homework is going to be uh, where it is that you are uh, uh, individually uh, intelligent, because uh, we're all uh, reasonably intelligent people. But where where your uh, your focus is naturally, um, think about what <clears throat> what that really means. Right. You know, and in particularly for. Uh, for like lame, let's say, um, the the fact, <laughs> excuse me, the fact that you know I've always felt that uh, economics on some level should be taught, started at least in high school. Right. Um, I mean, that's too late. And, and personal finance. Yeah, because yeah. because you know 
really, I think for the most part, you know, m most people until they get out and get out on their own don't have any, any clue what it takes to live a life. And, um, and to your point, I think a lot of parents um, are, ha have been helicopter parents and, uh, and they've really coddled the kids. So um, they kind of get slammed into adulthood and because they were allowed to be kids way too long. Yep. You know, I think everybody here on the panel that didn't happen to, but I think that a lot of young people find themselves really disillusioned with the way the world works because the way the world worked until they were damn near 30 was that I win. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. You know, and, and like, you know, my parents, you know, my parents will take care of it or they will bail me out or, you know, or they will let me continue to live here. Uh, and, you know, and I know when, you know, for me, when it came time to, to move, it was okay, well, make a plan, you have X number of months to execute said plan mm -hmm. and then get out of here, get out on your own and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and begin to live your own life and pay your own bills and pay your own rent and mm. every damn thing else. And, you know, so, you know, what are the tools necessary for, you know, a millennial to, to grasp what that is so that they can live a life? You know, and uh, and I think everybody here has some pretty unique perspectives on 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 that, and I think uh, we can probably give some pretty useful information. Um, so next week, first, sterilize them all. <laughs> Stop it, Lane. Stop. It. <laughs> I don't want to reproduce. I don't want it to feel like we're beating up on millennials. No, no, not because, at all. Because I think the world has changed, and with the changing world, teaching about condoms becomes different social norms and different responsibilities. I would say it's in a lot of ways it's a kinder, more accepting world. I think there's been a lot of positives that come out of it. Mm -hmm. There's a great book actually written by a guy here in Kansas City who owns Barclay Ad Agency. His name is Jeff Rom. He wrote a book called Marketing to Millennials. And it is a phenomenal book full of just general statistics of, you know, kind of the traits of millennials and how you reach them. It comes from an advertising event, but the, the statistics are the same. He did it in conjunction with University of Boston. Hmm. And uh, it's an interesting book. But there's always advancements and always detractors. And I also think, listen, you're talking to some older people who have forgotten some of the shit, you know, and remember the rosy side of things. Some, you know, so uh, there was a lot of shit back in my day, too. <laughs> <So> <laughs> of course. I'm not oh, going to yeah. say, I don't like when people compare generations. I just find the statistics interesting on... Uh, how generations relate to each other. Who, who was that? Jeff Fromm is the name yep. of the guy, and he was from Barclay Advertising. He has a, a PhD in economics from Wharton and did a, in a very extensive study with the University of Boston on what millennials like and don't like and the social trends that they go for. I, I, want, to, I want to tell you something that my mom told me, um, and she's told me this multiple times, and I think that this is, sort of wraps it up really well to summarize it. She said, Look, if you aren't successful with the things that you go out and do, then I have failed as a parent. 
And I think that's really interesting because, first of all, she's talking about as a parent, not as a friend, back uh -huh. to your point, Chris. And, and, and the fact that, like, that's such a good way to look at it, is mm -hmm. saying, you know, so she's taking responsibility um, in the sense that I have to prepare my child to go do these things. I'm going to do whatever it takes for him to be successful. And it's those types of questions that clearly some of my friends' parents aren't asking themselves or aren't taking into consideration saying, hey, have I failed as a parent? They're not even asking that question. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what's interesting is that I think you literally just drew the distinction between uh, probably, and again, my generation, your generation would be, my dad had a, a very opposite saying, which is I will never take credit for your success, nor will I will take the blame for your failures. So they're yours. You make the decisions. You're an adult now, so you live on what you decide to do and not do. And that was that was what it was. He's like, I'm not gonna stand there and, and brag about it and pretend I did all the shit and what a great parent I was if you win. But I'm not gonna take the blame if you fucking lose. And that was very clearly the difference. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting it's interesting that we both thought they were good quotes from our parents and they were yeah, really opposite. exactly. So opposite. maybe it's that lineup between us as individuals and how our parents see things. Sure. It has to, it has to match. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that in a nutshell, I think, defines that entire conversation. It's very cool. Mm. You know, what's the, uh, it's, it's escaping me now, what's the quote that Angela said at work that, uh, that I hated at first, but uh, it, it's actually become quite... Your lack of preparation? Does not. Constitute yeah, and uh, I, to me, that is probably the greatest gateway quote to adulthood <laughs> I've ever heard. It's like at the end of the day, you know, you know. I remember watching this, um, uh, watching this summit, and. Um, and this uh, lady, and I cannot remember her name or what she did, but she was, she was, she was a prominent, uh, she was a prominent lady. But you know, she was basically um, riffing off of a uh, Bernie Mac quote. And when Bernie Mac, I remember in his comedy routine, he uh, one of his comedy routines, he was he was just saying, look, you know. You know, we, we want to blame all this stuff on the kids, but at the end of the day, you know, we're the punk-ass parents. <laughs> you know, like, we, uh, you know, we, we have failed as parents. And, and her riff on it was, you know, at a certain point with the school systems, you know, they kind of outlawed being able to discipline Corporal kids. Punishment. Yeah, outlawed disciplining kids in a corporal way. But it, he said, so what happens is... Um, what happens is you, when that happens, you you began to see that uh, you know teachers were afraid of the principals, and the principals were afraid of the school board, and the school boards were afraid of the parents, but the kids were afraid of nobody because <laughs> legally, because legally, <laughs> you couldn't do anything to them. And the inmates run the asylum. So I just, I just thought that was University of Missouri. Yeah, I just thought that was super profound. That's all I, I gotta say about. That. <coughs> all right. So um, before we go, uh, we had a couple more quick topics. Um, Jesus. One, um, uh, one was uh, 
uh, by Wells Fargo, um, and the there was finally a CEO that was actually let go without a severance package or golden parachute uh, for doing something corrupt. And he had to pay money back. There you go. But I say the CEO of Wells Fargo was finally fired, um, told he had to pay back ridiculous sums of money, and he didn't get his package or his golden parachute when he left, <laughs> unlike the last uh, couple of uh, financial uh, uh, crises that we had where, you know, it, which I always thought was insane that you could, um, and going back to 2008, I always thought it was incredible that you could run the country into the dirt with your policies and practices, but nobody's liable for it. I always thought that was well, insane. Well, his lieutenant, the gal that basically set up the program, trying to set it up to where they were going after this and the people, that 5,300 people got fired. Yeah. She got a golden parachute. Huh. Wow. I didn't, know I didn't hear that. She resigned with her parachute at $21 million. Wow. Wow. But so, he didn't get it. So as far as much, which, you know, which I guess goes back to the uh, heavy lays the crown, yeah. you know, argument. You know, it's, uh, it's, you know. Well, they're no different than the politicians nowadays, are they? No, I don't, I don't necessarily think that they are. I think at the end of the day, you know, the rules you're, you're put in, at the end of the day, you're, you're put in charge of something. And, you know, if it was, you know, a regular working person and, you know, you egregiously, you know, screwed up your job. You know, you would be, uh, you would be walked out without security, not allowed to go back to your desk, not even to gather your belongings. So let's take, <laughs> let's take these three individuals here, which Chris Lane and I. If if we robbed our businesses, mm -hmm. and the IRS come and, and came down on us, or the feds, or the DA, or anybody close to us, we'd be in jail. Yeah. Yes, we would. We yeah. would be in jail, without question. You we know. would not have any defense against it, would we? Mm. Which actually gets back to the theme Because we're small business people. Yeah, which actually gets back to the theme of, uh, of today's podcast and the system being rigged. You know, I, like I said, I don't think politically that it is rigged uh, against uh, Donald Trump or whatever, but I do think as a larger issue, you know, people have seen the corruption in, uh, in our political arena. They've seen it in our financial arena. They've seen it, they've seen it in sports. They've seen it in a lot of things that should be sacrosanct. But, you know, I think people are at a point where they're just, you know, you know, I don't even want to say angry. They're just 
over it. It just, hmm. like, I think people, and, and yes, maybe angry is the right word, but I think people are just over it. They're tired of... I get disgusted. No, yeah, I think... I think disgusted is the word. Yeah, I think people are really... I, I, I get disgusted by what I see. Yeah, I think people are really tired of there being multiple sets of rules. You yeah. know, it's like, it, if, you know, if... You know, if you know, I let's say you know the uh, the round table uh, gets together with uh, our considerable brain mass, and we decide to go and rob a bank. Mm. Uh, we probably could get away Sounds with like it. Like a show idea. <laughs> we could probably get away with it, uh, but but we probably wouldn't. And if we didn't, we would go. Uh, to prison and go to prison for a long time. But if you're robbing the bank uh, with a pen or a keystroke from the inside, you don't go to prison. Hmm. You you may even leave that job with a golden parachute. That just isn't sitting right with people anymore. Well, this is back with the politics too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you, you look at it in this interesting way. Donald Trump is not a politician. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, let me jump in right there because actually uh, uh, the anonymous female was saying something that a uh, conversation that she had had with Brian. Um, and, uh, and, I, and it actually is uh, interesting and poignant to, to think about because you weren't a politician. The day you decided to throw your hat in the ring, you're a politician. You became too. one. Yes, and you're a politician. But, but you too. weren't. But you don't have a political record of either doing right or wrong, like Hillary Clinton does. No, he has a record of doing right and wrong in business. In, 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 in business. In the private sector. But, it, but it's a different. But it's a different perspective. So the media tackles. But we're talking about business. But the media tackles this differently. Yeah. They're, they're going. They're, they're going to have to find ways to go after Donald Trump differently. It, this, this is mm -hmm. this is a total different game than anybody's ever seen, and you got to realize this. Very true. This is a totally different game because Seven. you know I, I know yeah. it's not. But, but it's a, the, my my last point is that this is a totally different game. They don't quite know how to play this. Right. And because yep. Hillary's got all these emails coming out and everything else and she's been exposed for a lot of different things and, and she is complicit in it and you can stick your head in the sand or you can say, yeah, this, <laughs> she's, she's no winner. You know, she's no winner. She's got major, major, major baggage. Mm -hmm. But Donald Trump also has major baggage on the business end. But, it's, but he's still not a politician. He doesn't have 20, 30 years of political stuff behind him and policies and everything else that they can attack. So this has been a total different ballgame. They don't, everybody really doesn't know quite how to handle this. Yeah. But if you run as a business person and an outsider, then I think your record in business and then as an outsider should be perfectly fair game. And right. that doesn't bother me at all. If you say you're going to, turn around Washington and be great and I'm running as a businessman who's created jobs I'm an outsider and yada yada you refuse to pay your contractors as a contractor 
you would know exactly what that's like as a contractor and a vendor. I know what that's like. I'm like, ah, I mean, we have fucked quite a bit. Yep. It's funny. We'll do a very large commercial with the last person to get paid. So we float Fortune 500 companies hundreds of thousands of dollars for eight months sometimes. Right. I'm like, why are we floating you the money when you're... Cause so like they can make their interest on it until they finally pay you, yeah. unless you threaten them with a lien. And it's a little silly. And, then you, and sooner you, you or later they'll pay you, but they, uh, but they take how much money out of your pocket that to make their interest. you got to assume in the state of New York, right? I don't have a lawyer, and so I'll have to hire one for sure. six fifty an hour, and you know they'll bleed us dry. I bet. That's, the way the, that's the way that it works. I've had so many people get down to the end where it's like they owe me $1,500, $2,000. Not going to pay me. Hmm. Well, it's not worth me going to get a lawyer to pay for a lien, but by the time I get done with a lien and a lawyer, it's going to cost me that much anyway. And they know that. Yeah. So, you know, that's a whole other thing. No, it's why we finally put a lawyer on staff. That's ridiculous. I'm just saying, that is ridiculous that you wouldn't have enough integrity to pay your own damn bill. I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you owe a penny or you owe a million dollars or more. There's a lot of bad people out there. There are, but I think that that's just ridiculous. I don't ridiculous. know that it's always bad people. I think, but, honestly, sometimes you get in a weird situation where, once again, like us, you end up unexpectedly floating hundreds of thousands of dollars to a company that doesn't pay mm-hmm. and the schedule that they said, and you have no recourse on it. And so it's like, well, I can keep my doors open for a while and continue to pay my employees and ask our vendors to hold off, which we've always paid our vendors, but... Sometimes it's not as timely as you want it to be. But the, yeah. but the bottom line is, is I guarantee you all three of us do our business. You do it right, you do it with integrity, and sometimes you, sometimes you get bit, but you stay that course. Because if you stay that course, that's why we've been in business for 50 years. That's why you better stay for 25. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> I've been talking to you about that. that. But, that's, but that's the deal. You know, there, you, you maintain your integrity and think integrity will always win. That I would agree. You know what? I think that's, that's a great note to stop on. Integrity will always win. All right. And the politicians need to listen to us. Hey, so on, me a, in. On, a, on a happier note, December 15th, yeah. My my non nonprofit KC Connector is hosting a loft party and I would like Rio in the Loft Party podcast to host it as the kickoff of the uh, Loft Party. Of our, of our Loft yeah. Party live. So give you give you a little 15. bit of background. KC Connector is a, a, a net it's it's a charity focused networking group. Where think Rotary without all the bullshit meetings and the bullshit dues, and we get together four times a year for an over-the-top party. Okay. The budget for the party is paid for out of my disability paycheck from the government. Yeah. Because the government forces me to take it, but yeah, I don't feel disabled, so I'm leveraging that to but, be able but, to but you create... Have had, but you have had several combat injuries. Several, but who, who cares? That's beside the point. Mental or physical? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, no, so, so essentially, we're, we're leveraging that to throw these badass parties. There's already 150 RSVPs. By the time December 15th, we're, it's going to be about a 500-person party. Okay. And it's all going to the Greater Kansas City Charity Foundation because I don't want anything to get politicized or religiousized. Let's just 
Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to have you yeah. down to Sawgrass on that day. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to be doing the Lord's work. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. On that note, on that note, uh, does anybody know off top of their head when the last debate is? Yeah, it's, it's this Wednesday. Yeah. This Wednesday. All right. I thought it was. I thought it was this week. So, um, on that note, we've got, we've got one more debate, and we will and we will discuss uh, said debate. Um, but we won't discuss it uh, next Monday. We will discuss it uh, that next week because I do really want to do uh, mortgage on your brain, um, and, and to give. Um, to give uh, just give the panel and the listener uh, a slight bit of a of a political break in there, um, so Plus, that we can that, that will give WikiLeaks enough time to get everything out. Exactly, exactly. They're not going to send it all out. <laughs> They're going to be doing it up to the day before the damn more. election. It'll be two thousand more emails by the time we come back on the political topic. Either way it goes, I want to uh, end this podcast in the way we end all podcasts, and that is with the toast that started it off for me and that is with good times with good people